Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to a special bonus episode of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast, where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. This episode is brought to you by Rampia Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Please welcome back author Sumaya Haji. Hi. Today we are going to discuss Sumaya's fiction, fan fiction, um, about our very own Omega Bob, who has become quite the Prince Kai Fanpod legend. <laughs> so why did you decide to write a story for Omega Bob. Um, ooh, okay. Because it's like Omega Bob is is like a fanfic of a fanfic kind of, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what was, I think, I'm trying to remember, but I do remember it started from the Discord, the Patreon Discord. Um, someone was discussing Omega Bob or like his backstory I I can't remember it's it was like a month ago but suddenly out of like nowhere I was like I want to write like I think I like said in the chat like oh I want to I want to know his backstory and then like an hour later I'm like hey guys I wrote a fanfic anyone want to read it the Um, Prince Kai fan pod patreon discord is probably one of my favorite places to be like in the whole wide world because the amount of like discussion and support and like communication that we have some of the like very long threaded conversations we have on there. I just feel like it's these huge inside jokes that only like 50 people get. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's amazing. Like right now, the big thing is someone created a, uh, TLC Sims and I'm like obsessed with all the pictures everyone is sharing of their Lunar Chronicles inspired Sims characters yeah um, that's basically what we have before until we get our TLC animation exactly movie. <laughs> um, but yeah I'm, I'm currently scrolling through to see if I can find um, when I wrote the fanfic um, I found it. Good. When was it? Uh, September 25th. Okay. It wasn't yeah. that long ago, but it feels like long because cause our topics get so yeah. scattered. Very true. Uh, it's someone, someone was like mentioning how all they can think about is Omega Bob, um, when they're re-listening to Scarlet. Because Bob's not, not in Scarlet at all, but still. No, um, it's just like a Prince Kai fan pod headcanon. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I, that's what it was. I, I said I've been getting a writing block on my current story. So I couldn't – I had, like, a big writing block. And then I think when I wrote this, it's just – it was just nice to write something something different. And it's, it's short. It's, like, less than two pages. But it was nice to, um, I guess, move away from what I've been working on for, like, over a year now. Um, I get that. Right now, Sumaya and I are in the middle of NaNoWriMo. (laughs) And I'm very far behind, but I'm proud because this morning I wrote 5,000 words. And so I'm like, oh, if I could do that every day for the rest of the month, I'll get there. Wow. That's very nice. Yeah. I... Um, like, as you know, I'm trying to do nano with editing. Um, and I've learned that I don't think nano is meant to edit a novel in a month because it's very hard. It's a lot more work. Yeah, for than... some reason, I feel like editing takes longer than writing yeah. the book. Because <laughs> writing is just like, you can just write words. The editing mm-hmm. is like, oh, now I have to make these words sound good. And that takes longer. But, you know, Tracy Wolf, um, who's the author of the Crave series, I actually recently met her at a book signing. And she told everyone, because someone had asked, like, writing advice, and she told everyone, you can't edit a blank page. 
And ever since she said that, which was only like a week ago, but ever since she said that, it's been kind of drilled in my head because I'm a pantser. And so it's very difficult sometimes to like not edit yourself as you go. And then sometimes the idea of like having to write and stop and write and stop and write and stop can be, um, I don't know, a little overwhelming. I don't know if that's the same for like every pantser, but that's how it is for me. Um, but like ever since she said that, I was just like, I don't know why I've been procrastinating with this book when all I have to do is write it. <laughs> I can make it sound good later. Right now, we just have to write it. And if it's bad, then who cares? That's what editing is for. That's what beta readers are for. That's what critique partners are for. Like, yeah. but then, but then you get to the editing process and it's just like, wow, writing the book was so much easier than dealing with this. <laughs> yeah is there any part of editing you do like when I know how to make it sound good um nice uh but no um I like rereading my chapters that are good because there are a Mm -hmm. few gems in there like oh wow okay I I think I could do this because like there are chapters that I think are really strong um at least in my opinion um, I like and, your word choice there. And, gem. Oh, a gem, yeah. Because <laughs> of what you're writing. <laughs> I mean, because, like, that implies that the rest is not gems. <laughs> no, I just like that you used that word. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's. I think that's my favorite part, read, reading those, um, getting to that, and be like, ooh, okay, there's not a lot to edit here. So Yes, then you're like, see, I'm not the worst. Yeah. Not all the time. It's when you get to those, for me, it's when I get to those parenthetics because I'm, I don't outline. I just, I'm a pantser. I just write. So I will use parentheses like crazy. And sometimes I'll be like in the middle of a conversation and I'm like, okay, let me just write the dialogue and I can insert, you know, the setting and all that stuff later. And every once in a while, I'm like, I don't really know how to get from point A to point B and I'll just put in parentheses like magic stuff happens or, Mm -hmm. or people talk. And then I'm like, okay, I can add that later. That's future Bethany's problem. But then future Bethany becomes present Bethany and she hates past Bethany. Yeah. Because there's so many parentheticals. (laughs) My, my biggest weakness is finishing a chapter. So I'll just be like, make sound good, finish. And then I come back to it. I'm like, oh, like, how do I finish this now? Or I think was it just yesterday? I wrote something and it sounded really cool, but I have no idea where I was going with it. So it's like a mystery to my to myself. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to know where this book is going, but I don't know. And I'm the author. <laughs> that's that's what it's like to be a pantser. I mean, I you and I had a, a writing sprint the other day with um, Abigail Spajari and uh, Natalie Glasgow and we all talked about that like sometimes like you just write and you're like this is so good and then you just hit like a wall of like but I don't really know what to do next like I don't really know what the next path is and I know for me like as a pantser I sometimes know two steps ahead or five steps ahead but I don't know where I'm at and I have to just kind of that's where those par- the parentheses come into play yeah like yeah. the beginning, the end, it's the middle. That's like so much can happen in the middle that you can change around and like, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, Natalie was talking about that. She she was like, I got my beginning and my end, but the middle is so boring. And I know we were bouncing ideas. Like, can she get attacked? Is there a storm? Can this break down? Like we were trying to come up with all these like horrific things. <laughs> Yeah, that's how you make the, the middle characters <laughs> that's how the middle's interesting just a natural disaster absolutely i know that um my current work in progress i was like super proud of myself for like one sentence because for some reason i have this obsession with ending chapters on just like a hardcore line like just a great line i really need it um and i have been this whole world that i've created is fake. It's all fiction. So I get to decide the words for everything, which is amazing, but it's also a lot of work because I'm constantly like, what's a good word for this that's not been used before? Like 
and world <laughs> terms like a like just yeah. places or like what people say like phrases phrases I was trying to come up with names for like there's magic in my world but I didn't want to say wizard I didn't want to say sorcerer I didn't want to say mage um so I'm I'm not going to share my trade secrets in case someone in the universe does decide to publish this book um but I came up with a lot of what I think are really interesting words and phrases that they work if you just do like a if you use your noggin if you use contextual clues but I ended up today on uh i can't give away too much but it ended on i walked through the wall the fi- the wall of fire okay when you said i walked through the wall i immediately thought harry potter yeah there's like because yeah. i guess i guess if every chapter is a cliffhanger then it's not like I guess, right because like, like if you special- got to that part if you got to that part, you would probably be like, oh, what's cool ours, right? But it's not the same as, like, I walked through a wall of fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, like, they're both cliffhangers, but in different ways. Yeah, and there's a beauty in that. Thank you. I love what about how... you? Do you, like, oh, sorry, I just wanted to say, I love how you, like, what was it, not even a month ago or something, you were like, I can't write fiction and then I now you're, or fantasy, and now you're like. I know. <laughs> It's because of people like you and Natalie and uh, Drew from Of Slippers and Spindles where I'm like, I can't do this. And you guys are like, you can. You just have to believe in yourself. And so I'm like, well, I don't believe in me, but if you do, I'll take it. And it was so organic the way it happened. I was writing a scene and it was still, you know, contemporary fiction. And for some reason, halfway through the scene, instead of the clerk saying, can I help you, ma'am? She said, m'lady. And I just kept going with it. And I'm like halfway through, I think like two or three pages in, I was like, we just somehow became 18th century England, but I'm going to go with it. And so now it's like a fictional continent and world. And yeah, it's just all made up. And it's it's a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. I was always intimidated by the concept of having to create everything myself. And I was so intimidated that I didn't appreciate the joy that would come from creating everything myself. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, so um, speaking on world building, so when I, I guess, I don't know if like this is cheating, like in quotes, cheating world building, but a lot of my world is inspired by North Africa, mainly Tunisia. Um, So I like take a lot of terms and a lot of words. Um, I make up some phrases, but like most of the words and terms and places are like, Tunisian dialect or, and such. Um, the places I have right now are, um, they're placeholders, but every town is like a town name in um, Tunisia just because it's easier for me right now to like visualize it, but I probably will go and change it. But um, to my point, um, there's a really cool um, website that uh, Natalie showed me called Inc- Incarnate in incarnate it's a um it, you can create fantasy maps um <gasps> what is it i'm going right now what's it uh so it's i n k a r n a t e i'm saving it right yeah. now i'm like you have no idea my heart is racing so fast yeah natalie told me about it and i was like Oh my gosh, thank you so much. This helps me visualize like the journey and the world so much. She has some of the best resources. I know. Like you'll say something and she'll be like, oh, this book or oh, this website or oh, this website. And I'm just like, how do you keep so much information in one tiny little brain? It's teacher powers. And I don't mean (laughs) that that she's like a tiny brain. I just, you know, because she's little and she's cute. But... It's, it's her teacher powers. Always having yes, information. Yes, <laughs> She is a wealth of information. Yeah. So speaking of world building, <laughs> um, for the fan fiction, you didn't really have to do a lot of world building because it takes place in an existing world. So what did you focus on when you were writing this? Was it about plot, character development, kind of a little bit of both? Um, yeah, well, I guess character development, because we see Omega Bob, um, 
through his, I guess, three stages of life. Uh, boy, <laughs> werewolf, boy and um, manhood, manhood. Uh, and then the last is like um, revolutionary, I guess. Uh, but yeah, um, I already had the settings, like the Luna, um, and then the the caves in Luna, and the uh, Parisian op- Opera House. So yeah, um, the world is already all there for me, which I guess is the fun part, um, the easy part about fan fiction, is you just have to insert your characters, just make up a character and just plop it, <laughs> plop it there, plop it in the world. <laughs> um yeah, and um, uh, I guess does that does that answer the question? <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, but yeah, as if when we read this, you'll um, see that. Uh, I mean, you've all read it, read it, but I center around um, flames because the inside joke from the podcast is that Omega Bob. Only, yeah. I so I guess this answers we, your like question from the we, very beginning, right? Like, should we explain? Should I explain Omega Bob in case for some reason no one knows who that is? Yeah, go ahead. So Omega Bob, <laughs> many eons ago, uh, how I think probably like two or three years ago at this point, that when we were covering, it. yeah, when we were covering Scarlet on the podcast, there's a scene where Wolf and Scarlet first show up to the opera house. And it's filled with hundreds and hundreds of lit candles. And we questioned, mostly me, um, who had to light all of these candles? Because it's in an era where we have lots of electricity and floating cars and computers in our brains. So, like, why do we still have hundreds of candles? It's obviously for the... uh, for the tone, right? The vibe, they got to be melodramatic. (laughs) Yeah. Aesthetic. Yes. Perfect word. Um, And so I joked that somebody had to go around and light all those candles. And I said, it's such a bad job. I bet they gave it to an Omega. And so I had this whole idea in my head that Omega Bob was running around the castle, trying to light all these candles and all the alphas were coming up behind him, just like blowing out the candle, like, oopsie, you missed one. And that that was like his whole job was to like light and relight these candles. And the fandom has kind of like just ran with it. And now it's this like headcanon of the podcast, I guess. And I love it. I'm here for it. I live for it every day. I guess I wanted to give Omega Bob more substance because I was like, he can't just be lighting candles. He needs to, he needs to have a purpose. Um, so, but he does yeah. light candles in my fanfic, um, sadly. But he has a further purpose. <laughs> yes, his life seems to revolve around fire. Um, <laughs> he can't escape it, but it it changes. It that's that's part of his character development. He goes from. Um, a poor Luna lunar who is entranced by flames to someone who uses it for good, I guess. We're very proud of him. Although I didn't really think about the, the, um, what's the word? The feasibility of having flames, like burning fire in the lunar um like the domes or caves or whatever is that would that be bad for the environment i don't know well they talk about how they do have flames but it's risky because of the oxygen levels and the fact that they would struggle to put out a fire in the dome environment um but you know they they do have fires there's a candle on celine's birthday cake like Everett makes uh, Selena birthday cake in uh, Ferris and there's a candle on it. There's, um, you know, Lavana gets burned by a fire that they had at the, the oh, yeah. mansion. Um, so they do have fire. Um, it's just, it's a very controlled resource. Yeah. I'm here. I'm like Omega Bob just running around with it. <laughs> well, maybe he's just a careless kid, you know, he's got to learn. <laughs> yeah. Natural consequences are the best consequences. That's a good quote. Oh, thank you. 
So talk about your writing process. Are you an outliner? Are you a pantser? Do you fall somewhere in the middle? Um, so I guess I, I started off as a pantser. I think what I'm trying to say is like being a pantser is proving to be really hard for me because now I have like 90,000 words written and a lot of plot holes and it's upsetting me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm writing a uh, Aladdin slash Thousand One Nights fairy tale retelling. Um, so you are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber, please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. I guess I kind of have groundwork there. Um, like I was just today listening to... Uh, Marissa Meyer's uh, cursed pot uh, episode on her podcast, and she was saying like with um, her with fairy tale retellings, she picks out the parts that she wants to keep in like in her story, and then she kind of just runs with it. And I found that like nice because that's that's the exact thing that I think I've done in a way. Um, but yeah, I started off writing like I had this thought of this the very first line and it wasn't it wasn't an uh, I didn't think of it as a retelling at all I just had this first line and then I wrote it and then I'm like and then I kept writing and I don't know at what point I decided it was going to be a retelling um but I was I started writing it and uh this was also after I read um the Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Have you read that book? By I have the audio book a while back, and I just haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> okay. Well, the audio book's really good. I listened to it on audiobook. But the, That's what I heard. The audio book was really good. That's why I got it instead of the hardcover. Yeah. The voices, the voice actors are amazing. Um, but uh, the, the part I really liked after, I think I wrote, started writing like, very soon after I um, read that uh, book, and um, V. Schwab, she writes in the past and the present. Um, so I wanted to kind of do that. Um, so I have past chapters and present chapters. So I started writing the present chapters, and then I wanted a backstory for my character. And then I'm like, this backstory can actually really, I continued it. Um, because at first I started just to like get to know my character, um, which I think Natalie suggested to me, like to write a backstory. Uh, then I kept writing it and I liked it. And so I, I started writing chapters um, back and forth, like that alternate between the past and the future or past and present. Um, and I mean, at some point I had to make it outline um, so I, I work on Google Docs and it's just a huge, big mess. Um, I have so, so many um, sections of like, some of them are just like I, words I wanna use or like plot or editing, like come back to this, like a checklist. So I have an outline, but it's very messy. And, um, but I think since I've been writing this for like a year, I, I have an idea of where I want to go. And um, I, I do have an ending, but I have it, I completely scratched my ending. And so that's something I have to rewrite. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, 
I guess I'm more of a pantser than a plotter, but I think I'm both. I feel like I'm kind of a, a pantser who's a reverse outliner because I pants my whole first draft and then I like to go back through and create timelines. And so I'll create a timeline of like all the scenes between character A and B. And I'll make a timeline of all the scenes between character B and C. And then I'll line it up and I'll be like, okay, is there enough development here that I really believe these two people are friends or family or that they're falling in love? And I'll do the same with the plot and I'll go back through and I'll see, does anything repeat? Does anything not flow correctly? Does it feel like anything drags? Are we missing any pieces? And, you know, and it's just a way for me to get um, sort of an idea of exactly what the story might be missing rather than like staring at the whole, you know, like 60,000 words. Instead, I'm looking at like, okay, here's, you know, action scene A, action scene B, action scene C. I'm looking at those three action scenes and I read just those scenes and I go, there really should be something in between B and C. Or, you know, maybe I don't need this one, or maybe this one should move here. Um, and that's really helped me because I know, for example, the first time I wrote um, Vanity, which is the book I wrote last year that nobody published. <laughs> um, the first time I wrote it, I really wanted two of the characters to be best friends by the end of the book. And so I, as the writer, knew that they were best friends. And when I went back and created my timeline, there was not enough evidence in the text to support that relationship. And so I went back and I added more scenes, more conversations, more, you know, more moments where they expose their vulnerability and moments where they have fun together, confide in each other. And so by the time I, I filled in all those holes, I felt like that relationship was fully developed. That's really interesting. I yeah. I'm like an out. So I kind of outline after the fact. That and <laughs> you kind of made me realize that I am in a similar boat where I have two characters that should be best friends, but hearing you talk, I'm like, I don't think my characters have enough of that either. <laughs> oh no. You know, I try to think of like, what are, I look back on my closest friendships or my closest relationships. And I try to think like, what is a moment there? I felt like I can really trust this person or I can really be myself with this person or like, you know, the, the most vulnerable moments of your life. And I don't mean like, you know, going to someone when you're crying and upset. I mean, like hollering from the bathroom that you need toilet paper. Like where can you be the most like stripped down version of yourself where this person won't make you feel bad and you can trust them with anything you do with anything you say. And so I try to find moments like that in my own life and then think, is there something similar that my character can go through uh, that will help like bring them together. Okay. Yeah. Cause I feel like there's a difference between like a friend you call when you're like crying and upset and a friend you call because you forgot socks ah. or you spilled soda all over your clothes and you need somebody to bring you an outfit. You know, it's like there's a difference between like being vulnerable in intense situations where you're emotionally upset and, and, and being vulnerable because life happens and you're cringe or embarrassed or, um, you know, those are the moments I think that real friendships are born. <laughs> I see that. That's, that's a really nice take on it or like editing wise too. Yeah. It's, it's less about the object or about the like the emotional significance. Exactly. Or I guess a really good emotional example would be when I lost my father and I didn't really know what to do about work or the podcast or anything. Out of all the people in the world that my husband could have called to help with the podcast, he called Ruth. Oh, oh wow. So like not only do I know that Ruth always has my back, but like my husband knows that too about our relationship. And so I would say that, like, that's probably a really good sign of, like, a strong bond. Yeah, and you can tell how strong the relationship is, especially because you guys are miles apart. It's not like you guys live in the same state, even. Nope. 
<laughs> no, we've only physically been in the same space uh, four times. We met at North Texas Teen Book Festival in 2020. In 2021, they came to Mississippi and I saw them. In 2022, we went to North Texas Teen Book Festival together. And then in 2020, later in 2022, we went to Teen Book Con together. So I've only physically been in the same space with them four times. And yet your bond is that strong. Yeah. And so if I were creating characters and looking at my timeline, I would be like, do they have that strong of a bond? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that supported by the text? Yeah, it's also, it's a, sometimes it's hard to do that because, um, I mean, there's only so many chapters and mm -hmm. um, if, if the story does not revolve around the friendship, then it's like, how many chapters do I need before it's like too excessive or like not part of the story? Because you want to build a bond, but then also like you need a, like a like a variety of, of things that happen in chapters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think you do it in really subtle, subtle ways. It doesn't have to be like a big grand um, sweeping gesture. You know, think about, um, think about Cress in winter. She doesn't really know winter or Scarlet very well, but she decides to stay behind an Artemisia so that they can escape. I mean, that's like a, very small thing that she does but it shows their connection yeah because it's yeah for, for the team and she trusts everyone yeah. on the on, on the team even wolf when she was when she was apprehensive of him because he was a, a, scary a, yeah scary <laughs> i guess um, but i mean she warmed up to everyone and especially that's probably a mm -hmm. huge thing for her based on i mean the amount of con social interactions and friendships she's had in the past, which is like none. Well, also she's, uh, she's, she knows about the wolves because she essentially against her better judgment and willpower, she sent them to earth. Right. So she, she's fearful of him, not just because of like what he looks like, but because of what her experience with the wolves has been. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet she's seen the videos of like them ripping yeah. apart. And that would be very intimidating, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But like um, going back to the, I guess the relationship between people. Um, I did have a point in my story where um, Natalie mentioned she commented and said like oh this is a really good line it was like a line about um these four girls how they all like bonded and she's like it's a really good line but I don't feel like they bonded enough so you have to like add more substance to it so um I guess just going back to saying what um I was like I don't think I've done that but maybe I have um I guess that's what fourth fifth sixth drafts are for <laughs> Yeah, and that's what critique partners are for and beta readers and, yeah, reverse outlines is what I call my timelines. Yeah. Um, so you can keep track of all that stuff. And, you know, sometimes I think, like, what you did with Omega Bob, like, putting the story down and trying to do something else creative can be a really nice break and it can give you an opportunity to get sort of fresh eyes on everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think – so I think that's what's – I, so Nano, I do, I did really like it last year because I wrote a lot. Um, but I do think like the fresh eyes and stuff, like that's why I don't think it's it's necessarily good for, not necessarily good for editing because I'm trying to make everything sound better and sound good. And sometimes my brain is mm -hmm. just like, won't work and I need, it, need to have a break. And coming to this, um, like before we recorded, uh, like a few hours ago I was like oh I haven't I barely ha done anything for a few days like writing wise I'm gonna have like nothing to talk about and then funnily enough like 
30 minutes before I just got this idea. And as you know, I emailed you and I was like, oh, can we like push this back by 15 minutes? I'm like writing something right now. It's just, it's finally happening. I'm very respectful of that. And I'm like, do you want to reschedule? Because like, I know when my creative vibe is flowing, I'm not doing other things. Like my husband came home on lunch today and I was just like, "Uh uh-huh, hello. (laughs) And I was, I felt bad because I was irritated, but like he knows me so well that he's just like, I love you. I see you're writing, but I guess we'll talk later. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Oh, like, I hope sweet. it's not important because I'm, like, not focused in. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's it sucks. It happens to me so many times where I think of something and I'm like, I'll just come back to it. And no matter how many times it happens, I don't write it down. I'm like, if it's important enough, I'll remember it. And then I don't remember it. And I'm like, I know it was good. And it just, uh, it upsets me. One of these days I'll learn. <laughs> I'm usually like not near my phone or like doing something where I can't just easily write something down. Um, but yeah, that's that. I have so many voice memos on my phone. <laughs> this whole book that I'm the project I'm currently working on right now was because I had the idea for a a, a like four sentence dialogue. Um, I'll share it. It's pretty. I don't think anybody can steal an idea from this, right? Um, But my idea for the dialogue was one person says, I know it sounds improbable. And the other person says, it's not improbable, it's impossible. And that sent me on this huge journey of like, well, what's something that one person could find probable that another person could find impossible? And how plausible is that idea or concept? Um, And I won't give anything else away about my story, but... That's where it all stemmed from. So that's why I say I'm a pantser because like I just go, whatever comes to my head, I just go with it. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it ends on the cutting room floor. I love that. I, I actually, I also love how your quote is kind of, like, or your thought process was kind of like a rap. You're like improbable, <laughs> but impossible, but plausible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I love that. Um, I have a similar line, uh, sent, or I guess quote or line that I thought of. Um, it's, I don't know how authentic or original it is, but it's, um, someone says every, every lie is based on a truth. Ooh. And I'm like, okay, I have to figure out, I have like, um, I, I literally have a section in my, um, document where it's like lines like really cool lines I thought of but like I, I don't have anywhere to put them yet because sometimes I just like think of something out of nowhere and I write it down I'm like okay I'm gonna I need to put this in um but yeah that's my favorite part of writing when I think of a good line and I'm like this will end up in my story somewhere I will I will find a way yeah same or like the other day I came up with the perfect ending to my book but I was on a five-hour drive from Utah to Las Vegas because I was leaving my sister's apartment and coming home. And uh, so I, like, called myself and, <laughs> and left a voicemail. This, like, 45-minute, like, audio clip of me, like, voice memo of me just, like, rambling on. And I went back and I listened to it. And there was really only, like, two or three sentences and ideas that I could pull from that very long voice memo. Um, but if I hadn't, you know, had that voice memo, then I might not have kept the idea. Wow. That's, that's amazing. You're just basically like bouncing ideas off in the car. Yeah. (laughs) I talk to myself a lot too, as a writer, I I will maybe not necessarily out loud. Um, but I do, I talk to myself. That is kind of what writers do. We're just talking to ourselves through. Yeah, absolutely. And I talk to my characters. I'm like, what would she do if this happened? Or why would she think this way? Or why would he be rude to her? Why is he sarcastic? Like, everybody wants a sarcastic character, but why is he sarcastic? You know? My favorite part is, like, when there's, like, not even an action sequence, but, like, when I'm trying to picture what the characters are doing and I, like, act it out to, like, get like a semblance of like what's happening how how to write it out it's especially um I know I'm not alone in this uh Victoria Aveyard I watched her live like a few days ago and 
like she's like recording herself while we're doing a writing sprint and like she like would move a little and she's like sorry guys i'm acting out my scenes because <laughs> <laughs> she's like i have to figure out how how she takes the sword out of the horse or like like because she's on yes. the horse and she like takes out a sword it's it's yes. so funny i'm acting it out right now but you can't see me <laughs> No, but I do that too. Like there was one scene, uh, which you might remember because you actually read the first draft of my novel from a couple of years ago. Um, and there was one scene where she falls and he catches her. And I was like, I don't know how to describe this. And I like forced my husband to, to catch me like 20 times while I tried to figure out the right wording for how he physically caught her with. And it's this, it's like a two sentence scene, but I just, I wanted it to be real. So I spent a lot of time on it. The same with like, just anything in my story that I can find a way to actually experience, I will. Trust and then that way I can be like, this is what it smells like. This is what it feels like. This is what the temperature would be like. Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me, I saw a tweet of an author who wrote, who said like she, she spent 45 minutes researching stuff for one cent, uh, one sentence. And that sentence got scrapped anyways. And <laughs> Love it. Well, I mean, that's that's most of I can't even believe I wrote 5000 words today, considering the amount of time I spent trying to come up with names and words and phrases that would be like, you know, just good colloquialisms for my story. For example, everybody knows what a pirate is, but I wanted, you know, maybe what's a different word that means the same thing. So I found corsair, which also means pirate. And I told my husband and he said, oh, you should have used swashbuckler. And I was like, I've never heard of this. And so I used both. Really? There's a scene, there's a scene where she says, Are you a Corsair? And he says, What? No, you think I'm a swashbuckler? And so I was like, I'll just use both. It's fun that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like I just I wanted to come up with names. There's a it takes place on a ship. There's a lot of ship scenes. Um, and I was like, what's the part of the bench called where you sit down you just call it a bench no it's called a thwart and I spent like 30 minutes trying to find the proper name and a lot of it is because like I'm not good at google so I'm like see it I'm like what's it called when you sit on a boat and it's like sit and I'm like no 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 what's it called when you sit down on a boat still sit so like it took a while to figure out like the exact thing to put in to google but I found the words I, I was looking for um and I was telling you earlier like I was trying to come up with a name for my fire user and I decided to name it. I decided it was Hagen. Hagen means fire user. And that's because there's an old Celtic name that means man who brings fire. And that's, it's Hagen. That's literally how I name my characters. Like I'll like the most, a random character who's just like a side, not even a side character, but like in one scene, I'll be like Arabic name of that means opening doors because he opens a door <laughs> or like <laughs> so like my search history is just filled with like what's the s s smell to describe the desert um name that means musician north african knives <laughs> <It's> just like <laughs> or like how should you pull a knife out of a wound or like some some stuff that you probably shouldn't be googling. It's like the the joke that like <laughs> authors like have like really bad search histories, but it's okay. It's like a good thing. We're, yeah, it's like it's a good thing where authors or the FBI would show up a lot. <laughs> like, but no, I totally get this? it because I do the same thing. Like, um, I wanted a different name for Bandit. She gets attacked by bandits. And then, you know, it led to this whole thing. Like, what if it wasn't bandits who attacked her? What if it was like some type of spy that attacked her? And then I found a word for uh, she's she's a creature of a specific kind. I'm not going to give anything away. OK, but she's a creature of a specific kind. And I actually found a word that means this creature hunter. And I was like, oh, it's a it's that's what this is. They're not bandits. They're people that hunt her and people like her. And so I have this perfect word for one sentence in the book. One scene where they're bandits and then later someone tells her they're not bandits. They're this word. That's it. And that took like two hours. I love that so much. <laughs> it also makes me sad that like, not sad, but like, it's bittersweet that authors 
spent so much time like putting in Easter eggs, like tiny little hints yeah. and clues. And s- most people who read it won't like connect it. I mean, like with books like Marissa Meyer, like people are still like finding these like clues and like, oh my gosh, she did so much research. And I'm sure like every author does that, but as, as you have to read a book like so many times to like really, really focus and research it mm-hmm. to realize like the amount of work and depth that authors go into or writers go into writing their their stories which is it's just incredible speaking of did you include any easter eggs like that in your story um well i guess like i said like every name every single name has a meaning um or most i guess um uh, I guess I can talk about, I don't know if I want to like really, I'll talk about one name. Um, one of my characters' names is, so this is not a big one, so I guess I can share it. Um, it connects with We're so things. secretive, right? Because I'm like, what if somebody snatches my idea and then they get published? I don't think, like- <laughs> yeah, I don't think about like the snatching because like this is just a name, but like... Um, I don't know. Maybe it's some surprises for people when they read the book, or like maybe it's not as cool as I think it is, and it's actually lame. <laughs> but um, in the original Aladdin story, or at least the version that I've read, um, so there's Aladdin. His name's Aladdin, and the princess's name is um, Badr al Badur, which means. Um, fullest moon of full moons or something like that like full moon of full moons so better means full moon um so better el badur is like full moon of full moons or something like that something of that nature um so i named my prince so it's um i have a prince instead of a princess and i named him like just better so like just full moon so that's one I kind of I guess I don't know that's not a really original one I have a lot more I think I just can't think of it on the spot or I think yeah I want to say something but I can't I can't think right now (laughs) my mind's blanking (laughs) I do that too I get it um yeah uh one thing I so the the chapter that I just wrote um it kind of goes with the uh like needing a fresh perspective like I get whether it's writing um uh writing something completely different but what I just wrote was I rewrote a chapter in the villain's point of view and let me just say it's so fun to write a chapter in the villain's point of view I don't know why it's just I don't, I don't have many chapters in the villain's point of view, but it's just fun to have, like, a chapter or two where I'm, it's, like, evil or whatever. Um, just trying to get in their mind and trying to understand them. Um, but, uh, I think yeah. that, like, I think it's fun to write from a villain's perspective because I think most people are inherently good. And so we never give in to those bad bad things that we want to do when people are mean to us or rude to us or when someone cuts in front of us in traffic or someone runs over our foot with the grocery cart or, you know, we never do anything or say anything about that stuff. We're just like, oh, you know, and I think villain, like writing from a villain's perspective allows us to to get all that energy out in the world without actually hurting anyone. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I'm not condoning his actions, but I'm right. It's I'm writing it it's just I need to understand why he's doing this and I'm like oh my gosh why are you so evil like <laughs> it's like I I'm, I don't understand I wrote this character but I'm like am I okay am I okay <laughs> I know that um in my last book I included a character who wrote a lot of poetry and I wanted there to be some of her poetry in the story. Um, and so I wrote some poetry, but I wrote it almost almost a month after I lost my father. And so when Abigail Spajari, my critique partner, when she read it, she was like, are you okay? 
because this is this is really deep and really dark and I'm I'm a little worried. And I was like, oh, I'm okay because I wrote it all down. Yeah. Like I got it all out and I feel much better. But um, but my character was going through something really dark and it worked really well for that. Yeah. I really love poetry. I I'm trying to include poetry in my own story because my characters also <laughs> um, writes poetry. But like I because poetry, I feel like is a great vessel to um, write, like express your emotions and stuff. I I mean, kind of similar to what you've gone through, not not to your extent, obviously. But um, when I was in high school, we had to write um, we had these poetry books, which are actually like right next to me. Um, we created these poetry books and Reading them now, they're not, like, super good because I was a high schooler. Um, but they're all, like, dark and me just being angry. Uh, or not all of them. Um, but I guess it's because, like, I don't know. Maybe it's that high school phase where you're, like, going through some stuff. Um, and, I like, one poem is, like, I describe this monster and then it turns out the monster is me. I don't know. It's really cringy saying it now. Um, but like my, my teacher was like, you have to read this in front of the class. I'm like, no, there's a reason why I wrote it down in poetry. Like I, <laughs> I was a shy person. I mean, I still am now, but like I couldn't even imagine saying it in front of everybody. And then when I finally did bring up the courage, she was like, Oh, sorry, we're not doing those anymore. I don't know, maybe it was maybe it was for the best. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. We may never know. But yeah, I just I love I love poetry and I feel like the best poetry comes out when when like you're going through something or emotions or I don't know. Just prose. I just really love prose. I would agree with that. So before we sign off, we are going to um, let Sumaya read her story for us so that those of you who are not a part of the Prince Kaithian Pog Patreon Discord can still read it, though you should consider joining. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you get to see this fanfic two months earlier. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but before we read your story, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on social media if they would like to do so? Uh, sure. Um, let me pull up my Instagram. So um, it's it's my personal account, but um, I don't know. I have a few book reviews uh, on my story highlights if you got if anyone cares to follow me um but my my profile is susuaya underscore um s-o-u-s-o-u-a-y-a underscore uh yeah that's my instagram beautiful thank you everyone please go follow sumaya sumaya thank you so much for coming and for agreeing to do this episode and for writing this story yeah thank you it was so so much fun to talk to you i mean we talk always, always, a lot. always a delight to talk writing. Yeah. And, and this, this was writing this fanfic was fun. It only took me like an hour, which might be a long time for like less than two pages, but it was, it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listeners, please enjoy this reading of As the Flame Burns by Sumaya Haji. Uh, do you want me to read the entire thing or do you want to do the, um, uh, the character voices as the flame burns all throughout his life Bob was entranced by flame the way it dances to any movement of his hands or breath hunched over on gloomy days awaiting for something more he should not have been surprised when that something turned out to be his enrollment in Lavana's unnerving army he kept looking to the flame because it did not show a reflection it did not show the changes they made to him the hands that were too big, the teeth too sharp. His favorite food when his mother would scrounge enough 
His favorite food was when his mother would scrounge enough sugar every few months, turning the grains into a buttery caramel. Now he only seemed to hunger for crimson meat, slopped on barren and dirty tables. He would sit alone at said tables, not caring to go up to the pack. Might fight for something he knew he would soon die for. The only reason no one fought him was how low his rank was. Defeating him would do nothing to impress their thaumaturges. So he would sit at empty tables, gnawing on discarded bones. Entertainment the closest flame. The modifications done to him allowed him to pick up scents he could not before. The burning smoke, rough and discharging into the air. The acrid scent wafting up his nose, welcome amid the blood and sweat he was always surrounded by. The flames never did anything to him, but mimicked the actions he brought upon himself. So he thought it ironic that he dreaded lighting every candle in the Parisian opera house. Thanks to Alphaziev, Bob, now Omega Bob, had found residence in an abandoned yet grand opera house in Paris, on Earth. Months ago, he already accepted the very likely possibility of becoming even more of a wolf mutant for their queen. By a miracle, though, Alphaziev secured them a spot amongst their special operatives. Amongst her special operatives. Yet still, lighting the candles made him wonder if this really was a blessing. That, that was all Omega Bob's job was, to light every candelabra in this forsaken opera house. Omega Bob, my room seems to have been plunged into darkness, Beta Wind said, joined by another special operative at the stairs. Omega Bob was almost at the top himself, lighting every candelabra for the day. Don't trip on your way up. Bedouin looked expectantly, expectantly at the Omega beside him before sauntering off. A big huff came from the special oper operative and all the flames burned away. Don't trip, Omega ran Keesley echoed, running down the stairs and knocking Omega Bob's knees on his way down. Oh, and to take the taunts of every other special operative in their residence. Omega Bob, Master Jael shouted, rounding the corner. Why have you not lit the stairs yet? We have a very special guest joining our residence very soon. Their pack of wolves over the upcoming week was accompanied by a withered but strong old lady mm -hmm. and a girl with hair as fierce as her loyalty to her grandmare. Omega Bob was always along the sconces, watching his alpha pace the corridors in timorous anticipation. Omega Bob always did nothing other than his candle lighting duties, said no nothing other than, yes, master. Yet compulsion dragged his feet to follow the alpha. For so long, he might have thought his alpha was too engrossed in his distress to notice his looming Omega. Omega Bob, why are you following me? Maybe not. The words he wanted to say dried up like a flame, but the pit of his stomach burned stronger. Omega Bob gulped took one large step towards his alpha and whispered, Master Jael keeps a box of programmed ID chips in the bureau in his chambers, underneath his uniforms. Alpha Ziev's eyes widened, mouth about to form words, but Omega Bob knew what his alpha was going to ask. People pay very little attention to you once when you are next to nothing to them, Omega Bob said as he watched Alpha Ziev's eyes, eyes harden. I only hope this information will help us all. It seemed to help them, as hours later, their master was dead and every special operative ran amuck in the city. Omega Bob only wished to return home, to taste the burned sugar candies his mother, his mother would make. He took the first opportunity to sneak aboard a ship from the European Federation, making its way to Luna for Queen Lavana's wedding. All he wanted was to return home. Once they landed, he followed Alpha Ziev, dousing himself in a bottle of sickly-smelling liquid he found on the ship to throw off his scent. From afar, he watched them plan. He learned of the true queen, a girl who was doused in flames yet herself, yet it only made her stronger. This is when, where he learned of his true loyalty, coupled with the hope of a better Luna. He took that hope and appointed himself a messenger to the people of Luna to tell them to join and fight against their tyrant. He ran off with a stolen match and a tapered candle, delivering the message to sectors. He held the tapered candle high. 
not as fancy as a candelabra he once held, but the meaning much stronger. His purpose rekindled through the dying streets of Luna, his flame providing the passion that needed to burn within the people. He would make it straight to his old home. The story read for you today was As the Flame Burns by Sumaya Haji. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger, and today's special guest was author Sumaya Haji. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Sunlit Tangles on Instagram. Thank you for listening. We got Verizon 5G home internet. It's from Verizon. Safe choice, right? Well, some things that look great end up being not so great. Like the time you bought a shrimp roll from a gas station. Ugh. Or when you bought that used sports car. <laughs> what about when we got Billy that drum set? The point is, Verizon 5G home internet sounded great. But turned out to be something else. And we deserve fast, reliable internet. We deserve Xfinity. It's time for better internet. Switch to Xfinity. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Verizon 5G facts.